Hello, everybody. My name is Juan Carlos, and welcome to OCR and Edit, where we highlight amazing coaches, athletes, and everyday people from the OCR and trail communities for fun, unscripted, and unedited conversations. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with two people. Uh, amazing. One is Emma Waring. Yeah, you got it and, right. And Dave Peters. Guys, thank you for coming on OCR and Edit. Thank you for making the time to speak with me today. I know that we are six hours. Uh, there's a six hour difference between you and I. So guys, thank you so much. How are you guys? I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go. I'm being a gentleman. Dave. <laughs> so Emma, how are you? How's everything? Uh, with you? I'm, I'm good. Yeah, good. Thank you. Yes, I am. It's busy, but that's good. Um, our gyms are, are allowed to do indoor classes from Monday, just gone. So um, we feel like we're getting a little bit back to a little bit more back to normal now. So it's good. Yeah, and the same thing here. You know, things are opening up slowly, and, and you know what? Soon enough, everything will be back to normal. I, we, I, I think we can all speak for the rest of the world that we can't wait. <laughs> Fingers I think there's a real thing, you know, there's a, there's a real, real appreciation now for what we maybe would took for granted a little bit before. So it's definitely from our point of view, that's definitely where we're at. And we're just happy to be back in any way, you know, you know what, you made a good point there. I, I uh, it's true. I, I think, I think we all realize as human beings that there's a lot of stuff that we all took for granted. And now having that taken yeah. away from us, I think now that as we get back to that normal life that I think we're going to appreciate not only life, but our time and all the people that we surround ourselves with. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And, and I'm going to train a lot harder because, oh my God, <laughs> 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 I can't wait. Uh, not having races to, to, to train for is, was really hard. I mean, I managed to do it, but there's a lot of people that suffered. And, you know, when you bring in mental, that, that the mental aspect, it, it was really hard on people. How is it for the athletes of all ages, especially the young? How was it for them during, well, I mean, still during this COVID? Yeah, I think it's um, it's been really tough for them. It has been tough for them because not only have they, they not had the thing that they love to be able to have as a goal, they haven't had any other sport either. So generally, if they love OCR, they're into other sports as well at this age. So they maybe do hockey, rugby, football, cricket, athletics, triathlon, cycling. They're into everything at this age. So for them not to be able to do any sport that they enjoy and then also to be isolated from their friends um that it's been a big it's been a big thing for them and I don't think potentially we won't see the impact of that until we get back to a little bit more of normality so you know we've had some of them that haven't done exams as well so everything that they'd worked two years for and been told these are really important these exams are so important part of your life all of a sudden they were told they were going home and then they didn't know what was happening with their exams so there's been and so many different points of impact for them and then the yeah. one thing that they love which is sport has been removed yeah dave from your perspective your opinion i mean when we talk about mental illness in the sport now with you know having covid upon us for the past two years people try 
um, there's a lot of talk, a lot of conversation about mental illness with adults, but we don't really focus that on our, on the kids. So yeah. for, for the kids, the young athletes, um, what have you seen? What have you noticed? I think, um, I think it, like, you make a good point about it maybe being overshadowed when it talks about the youth side with the mental element. I think adults, you sort of, it talks about it because it's all, you know, it's all in the news and that's the way we think about ourselves. But with the kids, I think first thing I've sort of found is that you get a lot of the children who would learn in this sport, especially, and, and Emma will probably be able to point this out with, with her own daughters as well, is that the older ones in particular, the, what, those are the teenage years and the early teenage years, you know, the ones who are already, what we don't maybe remember much about them is the fact that they're, they're already so emotional. There's so many, so many things going on in their hormonal systems and things. There's already high levels of emotion anyway. So when you start factoring in the facts of the extra stresses of missing exams, when you start throwing in the things like missing training or missing the social aspect of their friends as well, I think you're noticing um, maybe not so much of an issue in terms of mental illness that I've noticed in terms of what I come across with the coaching. But what I have noticed is like things like the, the lack of confidence because of the fact that they've had these extended breaks or the, the lack of confidence in their social setting where normally they'd be so comfortable and at home. Now they're kind of a little bit more on edge. They're a little bit more under pressure to perform, even though no one was putting any pressure on them or expecting them to do it very well, you know, and I think, you'll see more of that as well as a spillover where the longer these certain individuals aren't able to get back. You know, if I give you an example, there's a couple of people in our own team ourselves um, at my place where I coach who they now can't come back, even if they wanted to, they can't come back for a good couple of months because they're trying to keep up with their education and their exams. And so they're wow. going to have this extended period of time where whilst everyone else and adults in particular can get back to doing the thing that maybe helps them with their mental health, these individuals are out stressed with their exams anyway and their hormones all over the place because of their growth. But now yeah. they've got this extended period of time as well. And I think that stress that you can kind of see from there, that's impacting on confidence levels and, and also on their motivation to continue doing it as well, you know, because of the, the extra difficulty. Of course. Emma, from your perspective, you deal with a lot of young athletes. Um, you've been successful with the OCR community, the OCR girls and boys community uh, growing at such a rapid rate. And that, that to me is a beautiful thing to see that you got a lot of kids now coming in and they're growing up in the sport. They're developing in the sport. Do you find that the kids now are putting more pressure on themselves because they want to be competing at the highest level as soon as possible? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think um, the biggest thing is trying to hold them back. And I'm sure Dave will agree with me is that they they're starting at kind of five years old now, some of the juniors and, yeah. you know, doing a lot of ninja stuff and the things that they're doing is, is stuff that they've not forgotten. Whereas adults, we've kind of had to reteach ourselves to learn how to do monkey bars again. And we've forgotten those basic fundamental movements. The kids never forget it. And all they do is progress and progress and progress. Yeah. So holding them back is the biggest thing because they always want to go to the next level and they're com Although they all they, they all get on, um, they're always competing against their peers and they want to be doing well if they're that kind of competitive nature. So holding them back at this age is really important because it prevents injury and it also stops them burning out. Um, so yeah, it's a big thing trying to hold them back. Exactly. Now, whether Emma or Dave, the next question here. So I don't know about 
you, Emma, but how about you, Dave? When I started in OCR, we didn't have kids races. Mm-hmm. We didn't have, there were no kids. When, the, the way we got into the sport is, one, we were told by somebody, we saw an ad on the paper, or we saw some, you know, a word of mouth about this one obstacle event that you guys are going to like it. There's monkey bars, and you, and you just, you know, you're intrigued, and you go, you do it, and you fall in love with it. Yeah. But there's been a pivot. In the number of years that there's been a pivot that, that, that you know, the tables have turned. Now you got kids coming into the sport of OCR, and they're developing in our sport. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how is it where you guys are in, in the UK and the rest of Europe? How is it? I'm, I'm sure that it's a, a probably a little different, not so much, but a little different than it is over here in North America. Yeah, I think we definitely started the same sort of way. So we definitely started off where it was an adult activity, effectively. And then, as you say, we all kind of got the the appeal. Not usually we were involved in some other sport or a little bit of running or trail. And we sort of something grabbed us, like you say, whether it's the extra mud, the monkey bars, whatever it is, you know. Um, and then, yeah, so we're, we're probably similar, but I would, Emma would probably suggest this as well. I think we're a little bit further back in terms of the kids' races and the, the actual competitive levels that they have. But okay. like you just said, it's um, there is a pivot. There is now it's becoming a thing. There are junior races which are put on at events. There are access, you know, there is access on the championship levels where they can actually go and take part in these bigger events at the European events and things like that as well. So, we're in Europe as opposed to the UK. There's a, I would say they're more advanced in certain countries in terms of getting the kids into the sports. Um, so I know in Belgium and um, Holland and in Scandinavian countries as well, they kind of promote it quite early on in terms of the activity levels and the physical activity levels, but also the accessibility at training centers, at um, races, they have it as a normal thing, you know, so it's not so much of a shock to see a child at a race because actually they're doing this in their training and everything else as well. And I think in the UK, we're, we're sort of playing catch up with that at the moment, um, but not necessarily all of that's a bad thing, you know, because whilst we want to provide that opportunity to race and compete, actually at this stage, it is just about taking part, getting involved and developing in the right way. So that in later, you know, later down the line, actually they, they talk about competing when they're at the right age and the right physical level as well. Anything you'd like to add on, Emma? Uh, well, exactly what Dave says is that, you know, um, I, I remember going out to um, the Spartan World Championships in Lake Tahoe in 2018. Yep. I think, yeah, 2018. And the amount of kids there that had got so many trifectas and they brought all the medals with them and everything. And yeah. um, they'd probably do three, three races in one day and they were there for the whole weekend. So, um, they were just so bought into it because they, they were on this circuit of Spartan kids races yeah. in America and everybody knew one another. And yeah, so it was all very alien to me because in the UK, we had a core group of, at that stage, a core group of juniors participating in and, you know, kind of having to pave the way a little bit in the UK. So the only, the only available race to begin with, I remember, was Mini Mudder. Um, which really was for the very young ones that just wanted to run around on a loop. Um, then obviously you've got, you've got the Spartan kids races as well. So yeah, they're a lot more advanced than we are definitely, but we're, we're, we're doing it so that we're bringing the young athletes into the sport with the correct training 
and yeah. guiding them along it in a way that means that long term, hopefully, between the ages of 20 and 25, they'll be hitting some really good podiums. I truly love what you both are doing in the sense where not only are you coaches, not only are you mentors, but you're there to guide them like a parent would his child, to guide them through the steps in our sport as to doing all the things they need to do that's necessary in order to achieve that goal, that end result. I love that you guys are doing that. Um, here, on, I mean, not to say that we don't have that here, but I think that you both have been that vehicle that's been driving that force in doing it properly for the kids for the young athletes, for the juniors, and then uh, as and then so on and so on. So you guys, I mean, I commend you. I, I, you know, kudos to you guys for what you're doing. Um, now, before we, you know, we continue with that strong community that that you both work with. Um, for those, of the, you know, the viewers and listeners, Emma, can you tell us, you know, how did you get involved in OCR? How did you discover it? um yeah so so what happened was um my sports always been hockey it's I'm a hockey player field hockey not ice hockey hockey um and I I got really badly injured like numerous injuries I've got a pin in my arm and I've had knee operations and stuff um and I had the girls well I had Evie and then I had Maddie and I just thought I can't play at the level that my body won't play at the level that my brain, my hockey brain can play at. And okay. I can't um, commit every weekend, but I'd been so used to every weekend, well, training for the sport, but also every Saturday, my weekends were taken up with sport. So all of a sudden I wasn't just giving up a sport, I was giving up my um, network and my weekend activities. So I had to find something else and kind of had a bit of a think about it. Um, and then my friend, one of my friends that I was at university with, messaged me and said Emma I'm organizing this event called Total Warrior you'll love it come and do it and I thought oh mud hair nails all that kind of stuff (laughs) oh my god but I loved the sound of it so I went and had a go and that was it absolutely loved it 2011 that was my introduction into OCR and it was brilliant because I didn't have to let a team down if I couldn't make an event. I was letting myself down, you know, if the children were poorly or something like that. So, and they've kind of grown up with it. They've been on the sidelines watching and eager to have a go. So that's kind of how it all evolved. (laughs) Wow. How about you, Dave? How did you discover OCR? There's there's less less of that, I suppose. There's more. um, I actually ran my first one. I got invited to run a a race um, for charity dressed as children's TV characters. So I ran my first race dressed as Noddy, Noddy uh, with a friend of mine who was... uh, was my assistant my assistant gnome so yeah I was uh, I was sorely undressed and unfit for it but um <laughs> after that yeah I just kind of got the bug and then drew, drew in drew myself into it yeah oh wow okay so now Dave tell me you know Dave Peters tell us a little bit about you who okay. is Dave Peters and uh, how did you and, and I'm sorry I don't mean to yeah, interrupt you and how did you come to get involved with the uh, I think it's the not the OCR boys but 
uh, OCR juniors or the OCR junior development? That's it, yeah. Yeah, so yep. the juniors are training the juniors, yeah. So basically, um, so I was working in health clubs in the fitness industry. I was working in health clubs, um, worked my way through into the management systems and then quickly realised that that was going to send me down into a desk job as opposed to a physical practical job, which is kind yep. of where where if, if you knew what I'm up to, it's all about physical and practical as opposed to any desks and computer work. So, um, yeah, so from there, I just decided really to go and move on and do my own thing, set up my own my own gym. Uh, and I, and I ran boot camps and I took guys away with me. Once I'd sort of had my noddy experience at a fun race, I uh, decided to take those boot camps with me. And um, similar to, to what Emma just said, really, I, I found myself taking groups of people to obstacle races, but actually realizing that these guys have all got normal jobs and day to day, I wanted to make sure that they could do this at the weekend and then go to work the next day, not injured and still safe, you know? So started developing my systems to kind of keep people safe and that and that's where it just progressed and I built on on the top of the business and that got me into um coaching obstacle racing so from there then it yeah it just kind of I've got a passion about doing things properly and I'm quite meticulous about making sure that all the systems are in place and kind of yeah that, that's where that sort of that like I said with the safety element of the adults looking after them and making sure that they can go to work the next day that's where it kind of then followed on naturally to when you notice more juniors getting involved it follows that natural path where not only can you coach people to make them you know successful in these races and being able to do things but also you can keep them safe and I think with the juniors in particular I think it doesn't matter you know they've got endless enthusiasm if you if you point them in the direction they'll head and they'll go and do it because they've got so much bound energy that they want to use and I think from from a coach's point of view, and even the, even other coaches in this country and other countries wherever they are, it doesn't matter how much enthusiasm you have for something you, to to want to do the right thing, you don't necessarily always get it right just because you want to do it right. You know, it's people don't maybe realise certain things with the juniors that are so important when it comes to their training. And I think, you know, a lot of people are training based on ability, training based on purely on exercise alone. That okay, this this guy can hang on a rope, so he's all right doing this this next obstacle and and similar things like that. And that's yeah. curbing and enthusiasm is great to, to encourage the children, but certain children are still growing. You know, there's certain kids who've got different um, different growth rates and things like this. I think boys and girls are very different. I think people maybe don't necessarily realise the implications that that can have on their growth. Um, maybe don't realize the implications it can have on mental health as well and the different things that they go through so it kind of drew my passion to kind of push things forwards and be inclusive and and this is what we say Emma would have told you before but you know not to do it in a way that oh what I do is better than everybody else but what I do and combined with a team of us that, that work together to, to work with the juniors to make sure that collectively we can get it right and we can use our experience and knowledge and then also we can push that out to other people you know and expand that to other people who are also offering that best practice as well so for me I've just got a passion for doing things the right way and I think that's kind of driven me into the world of the fitness and OCR where I'm at now. So yeah, it's, a, it's the, the long version of the short version of what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Emma. So two part question for you now, who is Emma wearing? Tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you, what was it that made you want to create the OCR girls, that 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 community, because I mean, you went from what? I, from if if I'm correct, you went from three people to I think it's actually I'm I'm not even sure 30, over over forty 30. people. Uh, no, thirty. We've 30, got thirty at the moment. Thirty at the moment. Thirty girls globally. Yeah. So 
talk to us about that. Okay, so the first bit, who is Emma wearing? I think um, I'm a mom to two girls, um, Evie and Maddie, who are also in the OCR Girls. Wow. Um, I, work, I work for myself as a leisure management consultant, and I've been in the leisure stroke fitness industry for 24 years, I think it is. I think 97, anyway, whatever that is. Um, yeah, so I was only looking at that the other day, so I should know the answer. But yeah, I... Um, Everything that I do within OCR is voluntary, everything. It's, a, it's an addition to my, <laughs> to my work. Um, and I don't, I don't coach, just so you know, I don't, I don't coach. Um, I just do the organizing and the, the management of the stuff. Dave and Robin do, the, do all the coaching. Um, so yeah, I do, I, and I make sure people get to the um, training. <laughs> so that's what I do. But with the OCR girls, how that started out was, um, Evie, my daughter, and Amelia Coxage, who is Paul Coxage's daughter, and Jess Cope, um, who's Julie's daughter, were all training together at Cliff Lakes. And they were kind of, at the time, the only three girls of that age that would, were into the sport, um, at the junior kind of level. Um, Evie is the youngest, and then there was Jess, who was, so Evie was 12, 13, Jess was 13, 14, Amelia was 14, 15. Yeah, that's right. And... They, all of them were training together and then eventually they all qualified for OCR World Championships in, in Canada. Um, and it just made it easier because they were all on their own, although Team UK have got a, a setup where everybody's part of Team UK that goes yeah. travels to these events. The juniors were on their own. So we put the three girls together and created a team called the OCR Girls, which was simply for um, Canada OCR World Championships. Um, and then it just grew. <laughs> they got some kits and they wore pink socks and everybody knew who they were. So it was just, it just escalated and they continued to race. And then we had more girls asking if they could be part of the team. Um, so it, it was myself and Paul Coxage that set it up as parents of the girls that were in the team. Um, then we set it up with a code of conduct, with all the correct procedures. We did it properly. So it wasn't just a, a mishmash of little bits of things that were happening it was done properly as a team we got sponsors um they're ambassadors for dry road for innovate um for mud gear um and then it grew globally so yeah but it's anybody that wants to be on the team it's not about how good they are it's about their attitude if so the code of conduct is about being supportive being humble in the face of defeat but celebrating everybody else's success, um, complying to the code of conduct, which seems very draconian in a way, but it totally isn't. It's about keeping the team ethics and the mission of the team and the culture of the team at one level. And that level, everybody supports one another. So yeah, it's a, it's a great team. We've got some amazing girls. Um, there are so many kids uh, now that you see on social media that are posting videos, uh, you know, them doing exercises or they're doing, you know, it's in bits and clips here and there of doing OCR races. Uh, and that's worldwide. Um, and that is truly amazing to see. When I started, when, you know, me and my team, we decided, uh, one, why don't we focus on the youth 
of OCR because there's so many kids worldwide that are not, they don't have this platform or they're not given a platform to voice their thoughts and opinions and, 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 and talk about OCR, to acknowledge them, to lift their morale. So I decided, you know what, let me do this and let me start this Youth of OCR this year for April. I was excited. When I started um, reaching out to certain individuals, you know, with the permission of the parents, all of a sudden, you got, there's all kinds of kids coming and reaching out to me that they want to come in and they're so excited. But because of the time, you know, I, I only I gave myself, you know, this project initiative is going to be just for one month. It made me realize the amount of kids that don't are not getting the attention that they deserve that we need to, we need to, like you, like you said, Dave, inclusivity, we need to include them in the conversation. We need to include them in this dialogue, in this sport, and we need to embrace them into the community. I mean, there's so many communities out there, but there's the OCR community in Rio is in worldwide. There's just only one. And we all love it because we doesn't matter the language, the race, or where you're from, we will support and lift each other. We all love the sport but we need to include the kids in there. So um, what are your thoughts and feelings regarding um, shining a spotlight on on the kids? Do you think it's a good thing to do it this early or should, or do we need to wait till they're a little bit more developed? No, I think, I mean, sorry, jumping in, Emma, but like for me personally, you know, we're talking about, something that's gone in recent years from an activity into now what we're classifying as a sport, right? And the very nature of sport is driven by the children, is driven by youth. You know, without the youth, there's no future for a sport anyway. You know, right. So without it shining a spotlight on these individuals, then we're, we're not able to kind of push that promotion of, of the, the benefits of a sport for children anyway you know and we're not even if you look at sport as a whole as opposed to an independent sports and of different sort of activities if you look at sport in general the whole purpose around it is bringing communities together educating children creating development pathways you know all of these things which are vital to kind of not just the sports performance themselves but giving them experience teaching them things about themselves you know emma touched on it with the code of conduct you know being humble in defeat and all of these side of things this is exactly the the epitome of any athlete in any sport at any stage in time so why why shouldn't we spotlight the children and the youth of the sports if we're now you know if we're pushing this sport forwards and if the worldwide is growing gradually bit by bit you know they're they're a part of that growth as it is now so why shouldn't we spotlight them as much as we would spotlight other people and i think as long there's a big difference between spotlighting them and then glorifying them you know if you're you can you can spotlight as much as you possibly want you can give kudos wherever it's deserved you know and that's that's right and they should be celebrated as well because there's some amazing children out there performing really really well week in week yes. out you know and they work hard some of them harder you know there's some individuals across the world who are so dedicated to what they're doing and getting it right so that they create a future for themselves in it you know um but then we have to be very careful as well not to glorify certain things you know we have to you have to be looking at what's safest as well for these guys you know and 
it's it's a professional thing when you're talking about coaching and development and athlete pathways it's it's professional you know and you need to use professional experience and knowledge to actually make sure we guide them in the correct way because children as i said earlier they're so enthusiastic they just want to do more they just want to do the next thing they take the next challenge and they should be celebrated for their achievements with what they do but we also need to look after them you know we don't want to be seeing children out working racing week in week out every single week at the highest level they possibly can pushing themselves you know to the high high ends of training where they're throwing up you know these sorts of things we've got to look after them a little bit more and, and put them and subject them to the races and events that are suitable for their physical conditioning their age their ability and everything else that goes with it you know so yes what like 100 just be careful what we sort of glorify if you like exactly well. i truly agree with you because when i started doing that uh, I, I was I, I was thinking about that. Um, I don't want to glorify them, but I want to shine a spotlight on them and let the world know who they are, how talented they are, yeah. and that the youth is our future, and it's the future of our sport. And so we yeah. need to empower them. We need to embrace them and support them, cheer for them. Yeah, that's it. And also giving them the opportunity, you know, we have to understand that, you know, we, we talk, when you talk about sports, you see the, the term sort of rising star or one of the future, you know, there's a reason why they're one for the future, you know, and not to put the pressure on them to perform now, you know, it takes yeah. any given athlete, you know, eight to 12 years of hard training and development before you're talking about hitting an elite standard. So if you're taking children at the ages of, you know, eight, 10 years old, we, we shouldn't be expecting 16, 17 years old to be to be flying high with the top elite contenders in, in the world. You know, we've got to allow these guys time and freedom to develop naturally, to develop in a way that it, it doesn't sort of impact on their life. You know, these guys have still got education to consider. They've still got to, be, you know, go and learn and provide themselves with a with a backing for life. But yeah, you know, as long as we, we can support them and spotlight them all day long because we have to celebrate the youth because firstly, you know, they've taught me a lot about my own coaching, my own personal coaching and my, they've pushed my education to, to go and educate myself further, you know, and, and I think it's not just about looking up, you know, we have to look backwards sometimes and help pull people through as well. And if we don't, then there is no sport anyway. Um, everything you said, but I, I truly agree with you, Dave. Um, Emma, what, I mean... With the OCR girls and the OCR boys, what are some of the challenges that you've had to deal with? Um, that we haven't really. Um, okay. And I think the main reason for that is because right at the very beginning, before anybody comes on board on the team, um, we, we do an interview with parents. We lay everything out in terms of okay. um, the level of expectation with that code of conduct and, you know, we don't have, we really don't have any issues because right from the beginning, um, we're really open and honest about everything. There's no pressure. There's no, the only pressure is on attitude. That's, you know, and it's about withholding the code of conduct. So, um, and they all do that because they all love the yeah. sport. And they, the great thing is as well, is that they all support each other. And even though we've got girls in America, girls in Canada, girls in Spain, girls in uh, Poland, Sweden, the UK, they're all in a WhatsApp group and they all communicate with one another. And when one's done really well at a race, they, you know, they celebrate it. If somebody's had a bad day, they talk about it, um, you know, and school life as well, because we have to remember that these girls are doing something that is quite extraordinary to their school peers. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the other kids at school don't understand what it is that they do with the obstacle course racing. It's not a known sport to a lot of people. So, you know, there's been some instances of bullying previously 
um, where some of the girls have maybe experienced bullying in school. And so the team acts as almost like a, a cushion. Um, so they all okay. support one another. But no, no problems. Um, if it's about what races to enter, if this conversation, we have a parents chat group as well. So if it's about what races to enter, if it's about, do you think that um, my daughter will be able to do this race and shall I enter them for this and that kind of thing, everybody discusses it to give some, you know, some backing or some rationale behind it. And it's about and making it still fun, a bit like, um, a, bit like a, a sport league. So let's say hockey league. Um, if you want to be competing at a higher level, then you're in a national division, national league. And if for some period of time you want to drop back down into a, a lower league, a county league, then you can do that because you're concentrating on your education or you've got something going on in your life. But then when you want to step back up again, you can do. So there's no pressure on anybody and they all develop at different rates. So where one girl might be doing or one, one boy might be doing amazingly now, that doesn't mean that at 17, they're going to be doing amazing because they all peak and trough at different rates depending on when they start um, puberty, like the girls, the menstrual cycle and stuff. It's just, who knows what's happening? At, they're all at different rates. So we have to take that into consideration. You mentioned something that I was going to talk about or that I was going to mention to you, and that's bullying. Um, have you noticed any bullying? Um, I, I think you answered it, but and I think you said no. But have you noticed any bullying in the youth? No, no, not between any of them. They're so close, aren't they, Dave? Yeah, I think if anything, it's it's literally the flip reversal, you know. And and the more talented and the more able and ability some one of the children has, generally they are more and more supportive of those below them. It's literally the opposite. Yeah, that's good. Now, Dave, you mentioned something that I follow, and that's process. I'm very process-driven, yeah. whether it be in my personal life, whether it be in my professional life, uh, athletic. Uh, I'm very process-driven. It allows me to be able to detect any weaknesses and be able to, for example, athletically, I, I can easily change my program to fit my needs in order to achieve a goal. Mm-hmm. Do you find it it's easier to... Well, since you're process driven, do you find to, it's hard to teach this type of process to the young? Um, not necessarily. I think children are so receptive. I think they are because of the fact that, you know, they spend their days educate, in, in education. So yeah. they generally are receptive to anyone who is willing to put time and energy into what it is they're trying to learn. And I think that means that the nature of the, the coach individually, they're style if you like their sort of personal preference in terms of how they teach and coach will also come across in the way they are so for me I'm very process driven which means that my coaching style is also very kind of process driven whereas if you was to compare with Robin who takes on the lead in the coaching with us as well Robin isn't necessarily as coach as process driven as I am but his energy his enthusiasm his encouragement levels are so far up there and also he's on a level with them you know they can they feel like they can talk to him about anything they can challenge him they can consider different options and they can really kind of go back and forward so as a team you know they're getting the best of all those kinds of things and I think again some children will be will learn different ways and so some will prefer different coaching methods and 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 similar but yeah I don't think they'll necessarily find it difficult because of the fact that they're so receptive and so um, adaptable, you know, they can adapt so well. 
Um, so it's it's more about the the enthusiasm and the time and energy. If if the coaches have got that for the for the kids, then they they receive the information in any way they need to really. Now, the reason I am so happy that I have the both of these on is because one, like I said before, while, you know, and, and I explain my reasons why I want to do this, bringing, uh, you know, doing this a yearly thing, something to celebrate, and that is the youth. I, I, I come from a soccer background. I'm, I'm, I used to be a soccer player. That's my background. That's how I started. Then I got into wrestling and OCR. Back in my day, there was this, we didn't have this type of platform. The technology wasn't there. You had to make it out on your own. So me coming from South America back to Canada, not knowing the language and trying to make it was really hard for me to be a professional soccer player like the way I wanted to. So I had to stop. I, I, I don't want that for the youth. And so I want to be able to use this platform and grow it and use it in such a way that to be able to give the kids a chance to promote and, and, and spotlight all the young, amazing, talented youth, youth of OCR worldwide, something that I never had. And seeing their faces when I do the interviews and seeing them smile and how exciting they are, that just tells me I'm on the right path here. And to be able to have the love and support from both of you and so many others and parrots parents and as well that to me means everything so emma well this question goes out for the both of you with that said talk to us about the 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 number of communities and when i say communities i mean league i uh, the ocr girls the ocr boys the ocr juniors and the ocr junior development Talk to me about all four of them, what each one of them means. Uh, so that way, parents, viewers, and listeners can understand what these are. I think you know, yeah. <laughs> Do you want me to do that? Um, so the OCR boys, the OCR girls, and the OCR juniors are um, three teams. So the juniors is the foundation. So there's boys and girls in the OCR juniors team. And that's always like, if you imagine a, a triangle, a pyramid, imagine a pyramid. At the bottom, you've got all these juniors and they run in black and orange. That's their, their colors. Um, they're young, we take them in from the age of five. They can be part of the team. And then when they get to 12, 13, that's when they can decide if they want to, they can stay in the OCR juniors if they want to. But if they want to move up, they either go to the OCR boys or the OCR girls. And if they go to the boys, they're black and blue. If they go to the girls, they're black and pink. And it doesn't matter on their level of ability. It's on their enthusiasm and their attitude. That's what keeps them in the pyramid. <laughs> OCR junior development is junior development program was something that was set up by um, Dave, myself, Robin, French and Jane Grant. Um, is it three years now, David? Yeah. It is, isn't it? It's three. It is, yeah. Three years. So, wow. Yeah. So I think we might be going into the fourth year of delivery minus the COVID year. So yeah. um, OCR Junior Development was set up because um, I was looking for somewhere for the girls to train. And the girls already trained with Dave and they'd already done some training with Robin. And what happens as a parent is you go to the people that you trust and you go to the people 
that your children trust and respond to. So I had a conversation with Dave and, and Robin and we kind of did this um, big thing where we spoke about it and said, let's arrange regular things, let's arrange it. And this was originally for the, the OCR girls, OCR boys and, and juniors. And then we said, why are we doing this for just three teams? We need to open this up, and make it all inclusive because this is about the UK. This isn't just about three teams. Yeah. Um, and also we need to get the teams mixing together as well. Um, so that's how it became the OCR Junior Development Programme that sits completely, sits completely separately to the three teams. Well said. Would <laughs> you like to add there, Dave? Um, no, I think like I think Emma's pretty much covered it. I think from my yeah. point of view, my, my biggest draw is in the is in the development program. And yeah. I think the key part is that inclusivity again, you know, it's having that accessibility to controlled environments with good training that is not about ability when you come into the program. You know, it's about what your ability is as you exit the program and move into sort of the adult racing. So yeah, it's um it's literally a case of getting everyone involved and, and looking after them, putting them in a safe environment with some good quality coaching. Now, Emma, I mean, you, you did OCR races, right? Yes, and got injured a lot, yeah. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> let's not talk about the injuries. What were you, Who are three of your favorite OCR female athletes? It doesn't matter, oh, worldwide, doesn't matter. I, I, think, I think the top two, which I'm going to say, which pr probably everybody said, but I absolutely love Lindsay Webster. Um, whenever she look at Savage last weekend, she was failing the rig and she was still I, smiling. I you know. know, if you're going to choose somebody that you want your girls to look up to, it's Lindsay Webster. Yeah. So she, we've seen her at Tahoe, we've seen her at in Canada, we've seen her in London at the OCR World Championships, and she's always got time for any of the juniors. She, yeah. do you know, one thing that she did, um, we've got a. a, a a little girl that's in our junior team who is obsessed with Lindsay Webster and her mum introduced her at um, OCR World Championships. Lindsay sent her a Spartan vest. Oh, when, when she man. got back to Canada, Lindsay, yeah. So I think in terms of a role model, um, she is definitely up there for the girl. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's really difficult because Nicole Miracle is brilliant. Everything that she's doing is brilliant with... Um, the elevate and make it shine in a, a real light on female participation in the sport. So, yes. and, and again, an, another person that takes the time to, to speak to the girls. When she was in London at the OCR World Championships, she gave up the time to speak to the girls, have photographs taken. Those are the kind of athletes that the girls look up to because they treat them like they're normal. You know, they encourage yeah. them, speak to them, ask them, what they didn't enjoy, what they wanted to improve on, that kind of thing. Um, so from that point of view, definitely Lindsay and um, Nicole. Um, but one person that really does inspire me at the moment, and it's because of her real grit and determination of how she's come into the sport, is Lauren Weeks. I think Lauren yes. Weeks is amazing. I love how she she's just probably one of the most humble people she takes advice off everybody. She, she's not come in from a CrossFit high rocks background and said, oh, look, I'm coming into OCR. She's come in and said, I'm going to give it a go. And she's done brilliantly. Um, so I can't yeah. wait for this weekend. Now, I had the pleasure of, uh, I mean, talking to Lindsay and, and Nicole and Lauren. Uh, I've had the pleasure of getting to know them. And, and they're just amazing. 
OCR female athletes, and they're truly inspiring, and they inspire me and so many people. You know, Lindsay, of course, we're all from Canada. We're just that nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I truly love her spirit and how graceful and patient she is. When I was watching her at the Savage and just having that smile, and not give it just it, it's not like she didn't care. It's just it's one of those you know smiles where whatever it is what it is, and she's still talking to people as opposed to paying attention and seeing how people are doing the <laughs> the obstacle so she can get through. No, she was just talking to everybody. I love that. What I love about Nicole is apart from me wanting to do this about for the youth, I also want to be inclusive enough to be able to showcase more female athletes and the diff different bring in different OCR athletes of different ethnicities, race. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are. I want you on because you deserve a platform. That's the way I see it. And uh, Lauren, you know, she's somebody that, you know, just she's turning heads. She is that talented. And I just can't wait for this year to see what she does and this is the cat right here i don't know if you guys can see her yeah. <laughs> she she woke up dave the same question for you three yeah. of your favorite ocr athletes athletes in general um i think it's it's too it'd be too obvious to go for i mean john album in the uk has been such a huge influence for for yep in particular for the male racing um maybe it's too obvious to go for him but what that guy does <laughs> is is unbelievable you know and and i think in the early days as well what what maybe gets missed a little bit is that in the early days when john was first doing this and first picking up wins everywhere you know he was such a nice guy that anybody would approach him I, i've seen that guy at races be approached dozens of times hundreds of times by you know just people who admire what he does and yeah. very rarely did I ever see him turn them away you know he's always had time for them always tried to be polite and everything and even online you know I see people messaging him and he would always reply and respond so it's not just about the way that he was he was performing you know but how nice that that guy was when he was racing in the UK regularly um yeah does it doesn't get mentioned enough I think um it's true yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I love watching, I'm watching um, Stein and Jesse from Team Hang On in Holland. Um, those guys, I love watching those guys and those, their, their development. They're both very young athletes, but they are, um, they, they're big futures ahead of them. I think Jesse had a real good um, performance at the last um, Adventure World Championship in, um, in the UK. And I think Stein has had such a huge trajectory as an athlete as well. And I've, I've enjoyed watching that. Obviously, I've got all my favorite athletes from my own team. So it would be wrong, maybe. <laughs> I'll pin my own guys out. But, you know, I've, I've particularly watched a few journeys. But there's also, you know, um, I hate having to say it as well because I'm going to have to talk to him about it afterwards. But James Burton in the UK, I've got a lot of respect for James. <laughs> I think what he's done, he's, he's really kind of opened my eyes as to how you can really kind of through work and hard you can really improve you know that guy went in and, and looked at his weaknesses after a 2016 UK championship that a lot of people struggled at and James will admit to you he was one of them he looked at what he needed to work on he went away worked on it then he targeted his age group racing won his age group division then now is pushing himself into that elite category and I think anyone can look at that and pick up at no matter where they were at you know if you're willing to put the work and effort in and time and be patient as you said before and you can really improve. So as much as I hate saying it, <laughs> I, uh, I've got a lot of respect for James as well. So, yeah. Now, Dave, with you, 
Um, with all the youth, uh, young kids that you're working with, yeah, male or female, who are some of the upcoming talents that you see coming? Wow, I mean, there are there's loads of, of the upcoming talent. I think it depends on who you are, what races you're looking at, and what their what their ambition is. It's difficult to kind of pin names out okay. because obviously you don't, you don't want to pin people down as, as to not be successful. But there are some huge okay. talents. You know, we've got a few yeah. guys over here. We've got Finley. We have um, Ollie in particular. There's a young lad called Harry who's going to have a fantastic future if he carries on the way that he's going over here. Um, and then the girls, you know, some of the girls are out there are so strong. It's unbelievably strong. And, and yeah. mentally as well, I think that's the thing. Like their ability is high, but they are so resilient. You know, the, the, the team is it's very difficult to, to pin down individuals, you know, but, you know, Emma's own, you know, Maddie and Evie have really kind of set, set a path as well, I think, and shown that girls are just as capable as the boys are. And I think that's really led a, led a path for, for the rest of the girls in the group. I think you've got some, some of the other groups poppy in particular so you know there's good potential in all of them and it would be difficult to pin down those individual names but there are many many children here yeah for in particular you know what you're truly right let me retract that question <laughs> because it's true it's hard to pinpoint because i mean these kids just from seeing i mean me from this end of the world from this side of the world sorry and watching and clips you know, and 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 seeing what they're doing it's just truly remarkable yeah. and, the, and and the commitment and the drive that they all these kids have now and how much work they're putting in like that's incredible i think they can see the opportunities you know i think they can they're having fun firstly before anything else they're having fun and that's the the, the primary thing whenever we do the training sessions you know the primary outcome is an enjoyment you know if they're not enjoying themselves and it, you can teach yeah. as much as you want you can try and coach as much as you want these guys are here for to have fun and be involved and i think that enthusiasm is what's driving that and i think the fact that they they now have more opportunities to compete to perform all children like to perform and do well at something you know and this is something that is a little bit different is a little bit unique in its nature and they do get to go to school and talk about it and in some ways it's not so great that they don't necessarily not everybody knows what that is but they're the kids that are set in the platform being able to explain what it is to everybody you know and so if they're particularly particularly good at it as well then that's that's another level of another layer to what they're doing which is giving them some sort of positive feedback for themselves and it's and it is great to see that that enthusiasm of course now emma okay so you have four different teams i call them leagues i call them communities <laughs> but the four different teams okay. what are what can we expect what can you expect this year from these teams uh, then, um, what are the goals expect, for the sorry yeah um we, we don't expect anything because they've had this year away some of them have have trained and got their head down and you know they've taken the opportunity to finally tune things but they haven't been able to obstacle train um some of them haven't for various different reasons you know they've maybe had the exam situation and or they could be coming into the last year where they'll be doing exams or should have been doing exams now but aren't and they didn't know that until January so there is absolutely no level of expectation whatsoever and I think um it's about coming back now so for example our first race back the majority of the girls are going open at Spartan for a laugh to have fun to remember what we've missed for the last year we're not doing we're not doing a race we're going and having fun and remembering the Not reasons true. that we started 
first place. After that, it will be the training, the junior development training will have kicked back in again properly. They'll have had summer holidays and then they've got some races to focus on kind of August, September, October. So we don't usually like them to race really past the middle of October because it's so cold and obviously children's body temperatures are affected massively. So, yeah. um, That's very true. But next year, and and just going back to what Dave was saying as well, um, identifying some of the the high achievers, you know, or people that are going to do well. I don't think we can even say that. I, I think that when they, if they continue the way they're going and they continue the level of training and they continue to have fun and they continue to enjoy OCR and they're still in the sport when they're 20 we're going to have all of them fighting for podiums <laughs> so it's going to be it's going to be really really difficult really that, difficult I can't you know what and I can't wait for that I can't wait for parents and and and, and more supporters and people coming to cheer for them and and, and just watching grow this community this young community I, I, I truly can't wait uh, to watch the first Spartan race here in Canada and, you know, and, and go and cheer for them, for, for, for these yeah. young athletes. Uh, truly, I can't wait. And I also can't wait for next year in April to do, uh, you know, get another group of kids and then putting them on because there's been a lot of them are reaching out. Yeah. <laughs> now, with what do you have any special uh events coming up with uh with the four different teams um, I, th- I think probably it's best if we because the, the girls boys and juniors kind of just book onto races that are either local to them or um the ones that are part of the uk and ireland's national series if we have any of those races so the junior development program is probably the best thing to talk about and dave's probably best place to speak about the plans and what him and Robin are considering over the summer. There you go, Dave. Your yeah. the, the table is all yours. It's all mine. Yeah. No. So uh, yeah. So throughout the summer, we'll have more training days um, to get involved with. We're also hosting some small sort of small time trial style races, if you like. Um, yeah. Not necessarily as races, but um, as a method of sort of me- measuring where they're at, really, and and also right. giving them an opportunity to perform. Uh, in a race environment, a simulation, if you like, because again, because of the amount of races which have been cancelled or pushed back till next year, etc., the opportunities for them to get involved in that sort of competitive environment is going to be lower. So, we provide that opportunities as well. Hopefully, we'll have some other places on board with us doing that as well throughout the country. So, we'll be able to expand that around. So, we'll be able to to hopefully hit the you know the different areas of the country equally. Um, with regards to the program itself, it's looking at now that we're in established and we've got a nice back in behind what we do and that we've got some measured systems as well with some data to actually use, we can start implementing a few more specific training modes, which will actually push through to match with the individual's sort of personal levels as well as as a collective as a group. So a lot of what's been done over the previous years has been training, which has taken part specifically around ability groups and age groups that have been similar abilities now we can start honing in on individuals a little bit more detail so we can actually look at their individual growth rates we can look at their next phase of where's best for their training and we can really kind of 
as a sport would elevate the the science if you like in impact on their training we can do the same with these guys and we can help them individually as well as as a group so we can really push them forward so yeah all through the summer that will happen and then in the winter we'll give them the opportunity to still be racing in dry and warm conditions as opposed to putting them through the mud and water in all of these races which happen in in, in all depths of winter um emma um if kids uh young athletes parents anybody worldwide wanted to learn more about ocr juniors the ocr girls the ocr boys and the ocr junior development um if they wanted to learn more ask questions um how can they do so how can they reach you where can they go okay so um each of the teams have got their own instagram and the junior development program has got its own Instagram. Um, if they want to send a message to junior development, then myself, Dave or Robin will get that message and one of us can answer. Um, if it's about the teams, then send a message to me direct. Follow the, follow the teams on Instagram, but you probably get me quicker by a direct message in me, which is um, on, on my own personal Instagram, just because we try and encourage the girls to take ownership for things and they manage the social media. So um within reason they manage the social media <laughs> but yeah so if it was a message to come through it would be best to message me direct on instagram hmm. how about you dave if yeah, they want so to get again, in contact with you let's say and then ask you about your programs and then how the you know kids can you know get involved how can they do so how can they get in contact same with way you? so if it's the junior development sort of specifically as the program then obviously you've got the the direct channel via instagram and, and uh, facebook i would believe as well um but again you know they can come to me directly so they can speak to me directly on direct message um and i'll point them in the right direction usually it'd be the parents which will get in contact which is totally open to that as well so obviously if they wanted me to talk them through how we coach them what we do and what level you know a lot of people worry that they have to be of a high level before they can get involved and that's absolutely not the case at all so yeah come to me directly and um, also through my business page which is uh, rumble fitness so you can uh, come for me through there as well awesome you know there's so much that we can talk about uh, when it comes to the youth of ocr and uh and, and their growth and then where their sport is heading. Uh, uh, it, we wouldn't, like, we would need more time, but we don't, yeah. but you know, um, I am so, like I said before, I'm truly happy to have you guys on here so we can talk about this and also for the viewers and listeners worldwide to be able to, you know, get to know the people behind these teams that are managing, that are the, you know, they, they, you guys are the people that are guiding these young kids uh, to developing to the, in the athletes that uh, they are in or they want to be. And that truly is remarkable. So um, before we go, I wanted to play a game with you guys, because I know that some of the guys, some of the, the, the athletes are going to be watching this. They're going to be watching you, Emma, and you, Dave. So, Emma, I want to start with you. <laughs> I'm going to ask you four quick questions and I need you to answer them as like quickly as possible. Whatever answer you have in your head, just say it. Okay. Maybe I won't answer with whatever <laughs> I've got in my head. <laughs> no foul language. <laughs> no, there won't be. This is PG. Code All right. of conduct. Code of conduct. That's right. That code of conduct applies to you now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right. So here we go. What's your favorite exercise? Burpees. 
<laughs> what? Okay, favorite food or drink? Um, gin. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Three words to describe you. Oh, organized. Um, active and happy most of yeah. the time. Three favorite songs you listen to while you train. This for me as well. Yes. Well, still for me. Um, so anything by Avicii. Okay. Anything by <laughs> anything by David Guetta and Honey Tamba. Okay, oh, awesome. All right, Dave, buddy, you. Okay. There <laughs> we go. Favorite exercise. Uh, deadlift. Favorite obstacle. Uh, rings. Three words to describe <laughs> you. Um, passionate, um, analytical, and oh, I don't know. Overthinking. Okay. Three favorite <laughs> 80s movies. Uh, it's Top Gun 80s. I'm sure it's, uh, it's got to be 80s. I'm going with Top Gun. Um, point, point Break. And oh, let me think. Terminator's got to be in there, right? Is that nineties? That's probably nineties. We'll go with it anyway. It uh, doesn't matter, buddy. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I actually thought Dave was going to say, "I can't answer that question because I wasn't watching films in the eighties." <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so it's, like, it's too, too old for me. That is. <laughs> no, I've got I'm a good both. four years in. I'm all right. <laughs> Guys, once again, thank you so much for making time to speak with me today. You guys are truly inspiring. You guys are awesome. I love what you're doing. I want to be able to be there to support you guys in any way I can uh, with this platform. And, you know, anything that you guys need when it comes to the youth of OCR, anything, please let me know. I am here to help you. Uh, this is something that I want to work with. And I can't wait for next year, um, April 2022, to bring another set of youth of, uh, youth of OCR and shine a spotlight on them. But it's not so much waiting for that month. I want to be able to help them all throughout the year, if, even if it means answering questions, helping them in, in anything that I can to be there for them, just the way you guys are for them. And for all the viewers and listeners, I hope you guys learned as much as I have. Emma Waring, Dave Peters, guys, reach out to them. Just to, you know, Emma, can you once again, or all of us, I just want everybody to understand that there are four teams that they work with, and that would be the OCR juniors, the, the OCR boys, the OCR girls, and then you got the OCR junior development. That what Dave is, what you, that what you specialize, that's what you're working on. And so we should also help and support you in any way that we can. So that way you guys have all the tools and be able to help these kids grow. Uh, any last words? Thank you for having us. Thank you for inviting us on. Um, and thank you for doing what you've done with inviting everybody on and getting people to listen to. Um, you know, so I've, I've watched every single interview. I've watched every single one. And Thank you. Listening to them, being able to put across the reasons why they're in the sport, what they enjoy, what they're looking forward to, um, that helps us because it's it being able to listen to what they want to do and how they see things, it really helps us. So thank you. You're welcome. 
I yeah, do it. I, I echo that as well, mate. It's, it's been it's been great to sort of see it and to see those stories with those individuals has been fantastic. And I don't, don't think many other people would have had that opportunity had it not been there. So it's it's really great. Um, you guys are gonna make me tear. You know, <laughs> and the reason is is because I didn't have this. You know, I wanted to be a soccer player. That was my goal. Who didn't want to be a soccer player when they're young? You know, having that football at your feet and then you know. I wanted to be that, but I didn't have this, that what, you know, now what kids have, I, I didn't have this and a lot of us didn't, and it was really hard for us. So I want to be able to use this platform and in, 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 in my time to be able to give these kids that chance and to be able to support them and lift their morale and, and, and you know, and, and help them as they grow into the sport. So that's my mission. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, guys. Well, that's it. <laughs> you guys have a have a great evening. Uh, thank you so much, Emma. Dave, thank you so much for making the time once again. I wish you guys all the very best. And like I said before, if there's anything that I can do, please reach out. And for everybody that wants to learn, learn more about them, please reach out to them. Um, ask them questions. You know, congratulate them for all the hard work that they do. Uh, and let's help these kids. Uh, they are the future of the sport. Let's help them. Um, okay, guys. Well, you guys take care and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Not Bye, Dave. Bye.